Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 518 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for Sunday, January 20th, 2019. Uh, this show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, your privacy is guaranteed again, your security is at risk again, and NBC wants your money again. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, on uh, any of the podcatchers, uh, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app, or uh, on live stream, on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, or Livestream.com, uh, or the myriad of other places that we are. Uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. Like I said, this here is F5 Live, the flagship show in the Plunkett's Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we go for about an hour. We'll talk the news of the week, gadgets, gaming, internet, and media. And then uh, also Avram will talk about uh, what we can expect in 2019 based on a couple of sources. And uh, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is by joining us live on Sundays at 9 p.m. by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can uh, watch us live and chat with us in the studio, which Avram and I always appreciate. We love hearing your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. But if you cannot uh, join us live, that's okay. Plugkitslive.com slash subscribe will give you all of the ways that you can subscribe to the show. If we are not in a place that you would like us to be, let us know on social media and we will try uh, our best to get there as well. But we are in many places right now, so chances are there isn't a place where you can't listen to us. And uh, with that, Abram, I have not talked to you. Well, I mean, I've talked to you, but not uh, without a specific topic since uh, CES. How have you been? Oh, good. Good. Yeah, good. Well, it's been good getting some rest. Uh, that's for, that's for sure. But yeah. you know, we have still have some exciting things going on. Um, got to well, th- this was from CS, but uh, just yesterday got to post. Uh, just Saturday, I should say, got to post an uh, interview we did with uh, MSI C- new MSI CEO Charles Chang, where he. Uh, he said some really interesting things. I encourage people to check that out. He was talking about uh, what he thinks of AMD, some things he learned from Intel that, uh, that Intel may not want you to know. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But uh, he was very, uh, very forthcoming about a lot of things. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had a really, my me and my team had a really great CES. I'm just sorry I only got to hang out with you and uh, you and uh, the folks uh one night yeah but uh it was a busy ces this year but i did learn that there are other good things on the menu at gordon ramsay burger (laughs) Um, yes so that's like the main takeaway for everybody from ces (laughs) when you go to ces or just to las vegas for some other reason because it's open all year round go to the planet hollywood hotel and go to gordon ramsay burger and order the sweet potato fries so there yes. you go. That's all my buying advice for 2019. <laughs> that was the shortest the perform- point ever. The performance on those fries is excellent. <laughs> they have some really good features, such as powdered sugar on fries, which I've never seen before, and 
a ketchup that doesn't quite taste like regular ketchup, but is still really good. And some yellow sauce that I'm not sure what it is, but <laughs> you know, um, so yes, I give those fries an editor's choice. Uh, <laughs> And I would give the Mediterranean burger I had like four stars and the curry burger I had the other time like 3.5 stars. So, Which, you anyway. know, in, in the grand scheme of a burger is pretty good. Because <laughs> yes. I, I know, you know, we we both do enough traveling for uh, for shows. A burger can be pretty terrible. So. Yeah, I mean, what I, what I like about Gordon Ramsay burger, since we're on important tech topics, is that... Um, <laughs> Is that they have some burgers that are not hamburgers. They're just like mm-hmm. other things. So like the Mediterranean burger was a like lamb burger with like tabula and mint or whatever on it. So, uh-huh. you know, and I'm going to go. And I think he's got a black bean burger on the menu. And like there's and there's a turkey burger that that Alante got last year. Yeah. You know, and, and let's not forget that burgers were a really big part of CES this year, too. Did you hear that in Gadget? gave the impossible burger the best of ces award mm-hmm. so burgers yeah. were in this year that was so weird i was yeah. not prepared for that and yeah. burgers burgers were in apparently um well i guess while we're on the on the topic of ces we've got two things to do uh before we get into the show the first is um the Plug Hits Live team has a pretty exciting announcement. We uh we've we made the announcement on uh on the live show for Tech Podcast Network this year, um, but we have not done it on our air yet. So uh, for CES 2020, the Plug Hits Live team will be taking over as executive producers of the Tech Podcast Network uh, live coverage. So uh, Michelle and I will be running the show for 2020. We're very excited about it. We have some changes that we're going to implement uh, for this coming CES that we're going to try out over the next year to see how well they work. Um, probably starting with Collision this year, we'll, uh, we'll try this altered format. But yeah, we are, we're moving out of that little closet that you guys have seen for the last two years for the live show. We're going to be moving up uh, into one of the towers. So we'll have a view behind us of the floor like we did a number of years ago for those who have been following our coverage for a while when we were in the North Hall. Um, the uh, We'll have a similar view behind us of the actual show floor, which will be really exciting. I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. So 2020 will be a big year for the CES live show for Tech Podcast Network, uh, which is great because... I think it deserves a, a revitalization because nobody quite covers things the way that we tend to. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the second thing is that um, we made the announcement, I believe, the night of Unveiled, that we were doing some giveaways this year. And uh, we did three of them. There will be more uh, as time goes on uh, involving sharing CES content and stuff. But the ones that we did had to do with subscribing on Snapchat, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And the people who did were entered one time for each platform. And uh, tonight, and the thing that they were going to, that they win is this backpack right here that you can see. It is normally a media backpack, but we are giving one 
to each platform. And I have the names. I'm just going to give first names because <laughs> it would be inappropriate to say anything more than that. Um, and then we'll contact you on the social media platform of choice to let you know. Um, so on YouTube, it was uh, Haleon, I believe is how you pronounce it. On Snapchat, it was Josh. And on Instagram, it was John Paul. So expect to be contacted in the coming hours to let you know uh, directly that you've won one of these cool backpacks. So congratulations to those of you who won, but definitely keep track because we will be doing more giveaways on some other stuff. Um, I have a stack of stuff to do giveaways on, so definitely uh, keep track. So that was that. Those were our announcements. Um, we have to figure out, Avram, uh, at some point to get you on the live show next year. Your microphone's not doing anything. Sorry, I would really like. I would really like that. Let's let's make sure to make it a priority next year. Absolutely, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool being up on the tower. We are so excited about the. Uh, Michelle and I went up there and stood and just looked over the over the balcony and we're like, this is gonna be perfect. <laughs> it's it's such a cool backdrop. So. We'll definitely have to figure out how to get you on the on the show. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool. Uh, I would really like to. I know we did it one year, and I'd like to do it another. I'd like to do it next year. Yeah, for sure. And and that new that new location will be great. It'll be in the sands. Uh, I don't know if you know where the broadcast tower is in the sands, but we'll be back over there. So. Great. No, I, I don't remember where that is, but I'm in the sands like most more time than I'm in the LBCC. So it looks like I'll be in the sands almost exclusively next year. Hey, <laughs> the sands is the best. It really is. Uh, and I'm going to be kind of living in the studio, which I am fine with. You know, the cooler stuff is usually in the sands, although this year I didn't see as nearly as much cool stuff in Eureka Park, the startup area, as I normally do, but. Uh, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, I, there were a couple of things that I really liked. The the little portable dishwasher with that that special heating element. It, the heating oh, element. The heating element was awesome. Like that's the thing that made them made them cool. But the little portable dishwasher for people like in a New York apartment, you know, like a really small New York apartment or in an RV or a dorm room or something like that, where they can't install a dishwasher. This gives them the ability to have one. Totally cool. Anyway, uh, we will talk about <laughs> a little bit of that a little later in the Pilch Point. Uh, but for now, let's get to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new Surface, a new Xbox... Uh, a laptop or uh, apps or honestly, I, I know is it sounds strange. Even a, uh, a Galaxy uh, Galaxy Note or uh, just Galaxy S handset. All of them are available, and all of those things uh, are on sale right now, as well as a whole bunch of other products. All available by going to f5live.tv/microsoft. So, um, 
when when Apple first released their iPhone with Touch ID, a number of publications, a number of lawyers wrote about um, the potential legal issues involved in using biometric uh, unlock on your devices versus using a PIN, for example. Uh, in fact, one of the most prominent uh, writers was actually from here in Tampa, uh, a legal professor over at USF. And um, the, the argument was that uh, a PIN to unlock the phone is protected by the Fifth Amendment. A police officer cannot compel you to enter a PIN into a, de- into a device because it's um, personal and proprietary information that exists only within your head, uh, which is tantamount to um, testimony. Whereas the fear was that um, on the surface, the, the idea of biometric unlocks was did not require any kind of uh, mental energy or proprietary information uh, generated by you but instead was something more similar to requiring a urine sample for a drug test uh, during a DUI stop or something like that because it was not invasive and therefore not testimony against yourself and therefore would not be protected by the Fifth Amendment. Over the last couple of years, uh, court after court has ruled a little here, a little there, mostly on the their side, mostly on uh, law enforcement side that putting your finger on a thing or holding a phone in front of your face uh, was not tantamount to testimony and was not protected by the Fifth Amendment. However, this week, um, a, a federal judge ruled that uh, law enforcement could not compel a person to um, use biometric unlock to unlock a device, which, uh, since it is a federal judge, puts the precedent high enough that all of those jurisdictional questions are uh, are essentially settled. I the, the only place this could go at this point is to the Supreme Court, and the chances of them uh, hearing the case are pretty low because the court, as it stands now, would rule in this favor. So um, I think... I think this is going to stand for a while. What do you think, Abram? Well, it's consistent, right? Like either you can, either they can let you unlock, either they can force you to unlock your device or they can't, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but here's what I don't get. Now, I don't know. I I don't know enough about being arrested uh, to know, to know the answer to this. But, you know, if you're presumably the police are not, I mean, the police are not allowed to to physically hurt harm you you know true all all you know not to say it never obviously we've seen some cases of it happening but it's that's not allowed that's not that's not legal right so how is it that they're going to how is it that they can compel you to use biometrics anyway without physically hurting you like are they going to, I mean, obviously most people, even criminals are probably going to cooperate when a police, well, I don't know most people, a fair number of people will just cooperate. Like, listen, if, if the police tells you, if the policeman tells you you have no, no uh, right to refuse, then you might just like, you know, hit, put, stick your finger on the phone to unlock it. Sure. But, but let's say, Let's say you say, well, I'm not sticking my finger on that. What are they going to do? Like grab your finger, grab the phone and like twist your finger until you until you stick it, you know, you stick it in the 
correct uh, sensor spot on the phone and hold it and just right to unlock. Well, well, there, there's there's that, but then like that has been known to happen not many times, but it has been known to happen. But the 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 real concern is that if they're legally allowed to compel you to do something, they can hold you um, in jail for not complying. Oh, I yeah. See. So they may not be able to grab your your wrist and like twirl you around until they get your thumb on the on the sensor pad, but they can say do it or go to jail. And that's that's a pretty strong uh compelling statement. But but now that is not the, that is no longer reality. So, right. That's I mean, that's important and if they if they do make that threat, anything that they find can't be used in court because it was obtained illegally. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, if you're going to have, if you're going to have laws against the police, say, opening a locked box mm-hmm. without a warrant. Yep. Your phone is a locked box. Yes, and and could potentially contain. Uh, incredibly sensitive information. You and I get get embargoed information all the time to yeah. to email and stuff. You know, if if somebody were to access that information, we could potentially get into trouble if that information got out. You know, there's all kinds of things that are not necessarily involved in, say, a traffic stop where they're like, you got to unlock your phone. You know, those emails don't have anything to do with the traffic stop, but yeah. could get us or our publications in trouble for accidentally releasing that info. You know, there's there's lots of lots of I mean, potential I, problems to it. Yes, yes, there's a lot of potential problems with it. Now, here's what I here's what I don't don't know. Like if they've seen you unlock if they know how to unlock your phone, can they do it to the can they do it? Like, in other words, if I don't know, somehow they saw you or, or, or let me put it another way. What if your phone has no, has no lock on it? No, not even a pattern lock. Can they then access it because it's not locked? Or is the fact that it's, you know, your phone make it mean that they need a warrant or is it only a warrant if the phone is locked? So if they believe that there is, if there is quote unquote, just cause just like entering a, Entering a home without a warrant if they hear a scream or something like that. If they believe or um, in the case of a traffic stop, which is oftentimes the thing that we're discussing when we talk about compelling and unlock, um, they can they can open your trunk because it's just a lever on the car. If they believe that there's just cause to open the trunk. Right. So so I don't know. Just cause might be enough to. uh to unlock the phone if it's not locked to to access the content i don't know uh on that particular one yet because i don't know that the legality on that has been settled right i i i think we're only as far as biometrics at this point so some case will have to happen uh to uh to suss that but you know in this particular case, the thing that that I find most interesting about the case in question here is that uh, 
this wasn't a traffic stop. This was a um, a valid warrant to access a home uh, for information, and the devices were in the home, and without without a specific warrant to un- to to compel the devices to be unlocked, uh, the judge said, even with a valid warrant for the home, it did not cover uh, mm-hmm. biometric scans. Uh, of the devices, mm-hmm. which I think is a an even bigger thing. Now that kind of situation has been around for a while, right? Like uh, we remember um, the CIA or the NSA or somebody trying to get Apple to create a right. special version of iOS to get into a locked right. device. Like I, it, it's pretty clear that that compelling to unlock a device is kind of a uh, tricky area. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we've got some clear guidance now, which in reality is the important thing. We know it's a federal judge, so this is this is standing. Um, I think there are only one or two levels below the Supreme Court, so this, I think this is going to stand for a while. And I think in reality, that's the important part. We know what we're getting ourselves into. We know what the law of the land is now. And I and I think that's a good thing. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new PC or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all the parts and pieces you need to complete your task. Whether you're looking for a new SSD, you're looking for RAM or a motherboard, processor, video card, or maybe you're just looking for a new system, like a, an HP laptop for 130-ish dollars off right now. Um, wow, um, a Surface Pro looks like a fifth gen Surface Pro for a uh, 550 bucks off. Like they've got a little bit of everything. Uh, so, and then they've got their daily deals, uh, which is where that surface is right now. Uh, the daily deals obviously change every day, and you never quite know what they're going to be, whether it be a video card or a portable USB hard drive, a monitor, that surface. Uh, you can find all of that by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So we talked earlier a little bit about, about CES. Avram, but one of the things that I think both of us like about CES is that we get an idea of where the technology industry is headed over the next year or so, right? Yep. Yes, we did. So, uh, so there are a lot of things that we, you know, um, I made some predictions about at the end of December about what was coming for 2019 and, uh, you know, some of them were validated by what I saw at CES and some of them not. So, uh, and so, uh, it's just interesting to, you know, we haven't, uh, talked online about the, some of the cooler things that we saw there and that that's all really forward looking that tells you about, you know, trends. So the most, uh, the real winner of CES and potentially a real winner in 2019 is AMD. AMD killed it with their announcements at the show and 
if they deliver on those announcements, they're going to have a killer 2019 like they had 2018 as well. So uh, they announced and rolled out the uh, first 7 nanometer consumer GPU, the Ryzen 7. Uh, they announced, uh, you know, that's that's coming in a few weeks, I think. They announced uh, the third generation Ryzen uh, processors to be coming later later this year. Those are going to be set. Those are going to be seven nanometers at a time when Intel is still still going to be on fourteen nanometers, meaning that they're going to use less power to give you the same performance. Uh, and you know, they all they also talked to, and they also announced their new uh, their new set of mobile uh, of mobile chips for for laptops, where they're actually going to have chips that are powerful enough to go into gaming laptops now. So uh, or at least uh, that's what it, that's what it looks like. So we, you know, we, I think, I think given the struggles that Intel is having, and that's the flip side of this coin, Intel will continue to struggle with two things this year. It'll make progress, but it'll struggle. It'll continue to struggle with meeting demand for its CPUs uh, I don't know if we've talked about this much on the show before, but uh, folks may know that Intel had a really rough second half of 2018, not able to produce enough enough CPUs uh, to meet demand, and this really hurt a lot of segments in the industry. Yeah. Uh, I, I recently put up a couple days ago um, interview with new MSI CEO Charles Chang, and he was very. We asked him about the shortages, and he was very honest with us. He said, "You know, he was able to get enough Intel CPUs for his desktops and laptops, but the lack of CPUs uh, of CPU production really hurt motherboard sales mm. because people aren't going to buy an Intel Intel a motherboard with an Intel chipset if they're not buying an. You know, most of the time you buy a motherboard when you're buying a CPU. Yeah. So." So that's, you know, so that that really hurt them, and his impression from what he's heard is, the worst of the shortage is behind us, but we're not going to see, but it's we're still going to see issues with shortages in the first half of the year, getting, getting better in Q3 and probably and he estimates all all better by Q4, but that's still a lot of time yeah. with with shortages um and um one thing that he he uh told us that we hadn't really heard anywhere else on the record is that intel's priority in filling its orders is to put uh data center data center chips first mobile chips for laptops second and desktop chips in last place so uh, it's very interesting because it was the first time we heard that hey they don't they don't really now Intel will not confirm or deny this of course uh, with us but uh, you know only to say that they they put a priority on more on high performance chips over budget chips and that was something they said before but you know it so while Intel is struggling to meet those demands AMD it, you know with its Ryzen chips and now going to be on third gen Ryzen soon. Uh, is really gonna has a great opportunity to grow even more, uh, and 
and the desktop space people are much more willing to uh embrace amd than in the laptop space uh-huh. but uh but this year i think we'll see more design wins for amd also so i think it's going to be a big year for amd uh i th- other other trends that we other trends that we saw it, uh, we saw this year are everybody wants to come out with monitors. There's a lot of advancement going on, and there's a lot of advancement going on in monitors. Uh, I guess people have realized that like that's the thing that everybody who doesn't want a better monitor, right? You know, like I, I sorry to say it, but I know a lot of people who have computers that are a couple years old and. Are, I don't know if I can see why I need a new computer, but you go and you look at a really nice monitor, and you're like, oh, I any anyone could tell could tell the difference when you have between a good monitor, a good monitor and a great one. Yeah. So, so you know, doing things like there's going to be a couple of OLEDs coming out uh, that that we've seen to more 4K, the monitors that are 5K, to also um, also seeing companies that hadn't even been in the space before, like uh, Gigabyte Oris, coming out with their gaming monitor. Uh, I mean, another trend is that G-Sync is, uh, G-Sync is pretty much dead. Uh, NVIDIA announced that they're going to offer support for AMD's FreeSync uh, synchronization, although they're going to call it something else. <laughs> of course but they they're going to offer they're going to offer support for the for the open standard, right? And so, um, and what we've seen is very few monitors have G-Sync, and almost every monitor has FreeSync because it's it doesn't cost anything to implement. Mm-hmm. So, so I think uh, I think G-Sync is dead. Uh, they won't offic- officially say that, but I think I think G-Sync is dead. Uh, about as dead as Cortana, uh, which we found out this week. Uh, is in really is in really sorry shape uh, being even I think uh, Satya Nadella CEO of Microsoft said that it you know he doesn't see much of a future for it and uh, you saw how in the next build of Windows Microsoft is separating the search box from Cortana which yeah. means the thing that like the one area where you had to have Cortana to really get all the features uh, you don't so um, I think you know, I think the good news is open things that are sort of more popular open platforms like FreeSync. Uh, and I don't know if I would call Alexa, Alexa an open platform, but it's a platform anybody can implement. Um, are, are going like we saw an Alexa toilet at uh-huh. uh, at CES are going to to be more popular this year. Uh, and you know, we're just going to continue to see. Um, the rise of ga- of cool gaming stuff, cool gaming laptop, cool gaming laptops, cool gaming monitors, uh, vi- you know, video cards that make it easier to 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 do high performance 4K gaming, and uh, lots of RGB, <laughs> lots of RGB. Yeah, that's which for I sure. Wanna, which I want to put in a, a quick pitch for our for our RGB article. So tomorrow, uh, our RGBeast article will be going live. Finally, you will be able to, on Tom'sHardware.com, read about what I consider the ultimate, uh, ultimate RGB build so far. We've had where we had uh, about 27 different RGB uh, P 
pieces elements in our build from uh an rg from rgb power cables to rgb uh, cpu cooler to rgb rgb chair rgb monitor rgb speakers uh you name it we we rgb'd it uh so check it out i uh i i recently rgb'd the uh hallway uh here right outside the studio oh wow <laughs> yeah See, that's that's the missing element is to rgb rgb walls and for and more furniture how did what did you use to do it so uh at ces monster uh announced a product line called illuminescence and in it is um a consumer and budget-friendly um uh rgb led tape so yeah (laughs) so so Wait, so light strips you stick on the wall? Uh huh. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a couple of the boxes right now. Uh, they have. Oh, I thought maybe I'd have one of the remotes near me. I don't. Um, I just did the unboxing videos before we left for Vegas. Um, anyway, um, yeah, they've got uh like one of the one of the packs is just a really long RGB tape, and then yeah. one is a couple of led rgb light bulbs and then there are packs with a little bit of this you know a one short tape and one bulb two short tapes and two bulbs <laughs> so wow yeah so i i can i can set the hallway between the the studio and the office to any color i want which is pretty cool <laughs> so well that that's great that's great uh I don't know if my wife would allow me to do that to our house, <laughs> but uh, but I certainly would try. And then maybe you know, and then maybe some nano leaves uh, oh, on the walls. I want so, those so bad. Apparently, one of the other things is that the nano leaf will now synchronize with some of your uh, can now be made to synchronize with some games. Uh huh. Or at least I was hearing that from MSI. So. I heard I think, something uh, about that too. So yeah, you'll you know soon you'll be playing a game and like you'll just get shot and your whole wall will turn red like it was bleeding. Um, I'm I'm good with that. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Listen, you know that's cool. That's you know that's what we were hoping for for the future was little LED lights everywhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we can't get flying cars, at least we can fake it by having LED <laughs> lights in the wall. Uh, especially uh, especially that that specific shade of blue. That, that we all associate with technology. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be <laughs> awesome. I guess my one question about all of these though is that like if you leave them on all the time, how much extra are you paying in electricity for it? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not a lot. But, uh, yeah. Maybe sure. not. It would it would all depend on what the uh, the power supply requires, right? Yeah. Uh, I I would like to point out that um, one of the things that was interesting that. I thought was interesting is I saw a lot of coverage on uh, computers at CES this year uh, for the first time in a while. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that uh, Windows 7 is coming to the end of its life in the next 12 months and PC manufacturers, specifically laptop manufacturers, are are looking to, uh, to hit up those Windows 7 holdouts. Mm, I don't know. That's an interesting question. 
I think they're always looking to to yeah, yeah. they're always they're always looking to to make a splash there and certainly certainly they're you know people are moving thinner lighter but uh, honestly everybody's waiting for in for 10 nano, for 10 nanometer or maybe AMD 7 nanometer for for laptops because they need if they want to make it cooler if they if they want to keep the temperature low and the heat the heat uh, you know the heat low they need something with a with a with a smaller you know smaller process node so it's either got to be a 10 or a 7 uh, in order for them to really advance and make and make things even thinner even lighter or you know better fanless designs so until we see that um, you know I don't know how much more you know, thinner and lighter things are going to get. I don't know if they need to get thinner and lighter. Yeah. Um, you know. Hey, they can't get too much thinner than than a USB C port. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's that, and plus, you know, you still unless you're unless you're using Apple, uh, using MacBook, you still want to type. So. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. And uh, yeah. I think we've learned that the uh, the all touchscreen uh, laptop keyboard thing isn't. Ideal. I'm sure. I'm sure more people will try it again, but of it course. is still you. You still can't beat the real, real keyboard. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, I think obviously there's a lot of you know, uh, every every year they're trying to push people to upgrade. Um, I mean, this will push some businesses over the line for sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I don't think consumers who ever went to seven laptop from five years ago are are worried about the end of support. You know, maybe they should be, yeah. but I don't think they are. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, be, before we, uh, before we move on, uh, where you said, uh, you published that interview yesterday. Where can we find it? Yes. So if you go to tomshardware.com to our homepage, you will find our interview with MSI CEO, Charles Chang. And then you will also find in a few hours after the show airs live, our RG Beast article about, and video about how we built and all the parts we used to build the ultimate RGB battle station. So check those out on Tom'sHardware.com. I definitely will. I cannot wait to see the the RGB one because we've been talking about it for a while, and I cannot wait to see how it came out. And yeah. <laughs> The only problem is at CES, I saw a whole bunch of things that I was like, oh, man, this is coming out in a few months and it would make our thing even more RGB than it is now. So just remember, it's a snapshot in time. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. As these things always are. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, definitely, definitely appreciate the, uh, the, the look into the future, both from the perspective of uh, MSI and uh, CES. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Up your game on PC or uh, console 
with Razer accessories. Whether you're looking for a great controller, a mouse like I use here in the studio, uh, a keyboard also like I use here in the studio, um, or even things like the the Razer phone, the uh, the webcam that has the the chroma key built into it, or as Avram was just talking about, a whole line of RGB enabled uh, uh, accessories, mouse, keyboard, mouse pad, and a bunch of other stuff, all powered through uh, the Razer Chroma uh, interface. And there are a number of limited time deals right now, including a uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 edition uh, laptop. And to find all those deals and all of the products, you can go to f5live.tv slash Razer. So, something that's pretty common in the gaming space uh, because of the way video cards work and the way that, that uh, uh, rendering of visual elements uh, works is that a video game will render all of the potential visual elements in a hidden location and then respawn them into view as needed and then dump them back to a hidden location as not needed so that your your RAM usage isn't all over the place, the video card's not having to, to create and destroy stuff all the time. Um, one of the kind of most famous instances of this was from one of the uh, older Grand Theft Auto games where all of the visual elements of the game were rendered up on a cloud that you theoretically didn't have the ability to get to uh, except if you did certain things and you ended up on a helicopter and somehow flipped it upside down or something and you ended up <laughs> on this cloud and you can see all the cars and all the things from the game. Uh, that was a while back. We haven't really encountered the concept in a while until now. Um, in the already controversial Fallout 76, there is a hidden room that they're calling the developer room that has exactly this. All of the visual elements of the game are uh, rendered within this developer room, including elements that are not yet part of the game. Now, the just like with Grand Theft Auto, the, uh, the room is not available by normal human beings. However, uh, apparently some third-party software is giving people access to said room, and just like any other visual element of the game, when you encounter it, you can collect it. And so uh, some nefarious people are going in the room, grabbing some things that do not yet exist, and putting them out into the marketplace, uh, which is kind of screwing up the in-game economy. So uh, obviously the, the developers Bethesda are not happy about this and are issuing temporary bans for anybody who enters the room. Since there's no direct way to do it, they know you're using third-party tools, and so they're temporary disabling accounts until they can correct it, apparently. An interesting situation. Very different from how uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, responded, where they're like, oh, you found the cars? Great, enjoy. <laughs> but that's a different kind of game. This sounds a lot like the plot of Ready Player One. <laughs> Yeah? yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, but uh, I I saw that a few weeks ago. Did you see it? Um, I did not see the movie, but yeah, I'm I'm aware of the storyline. 
It's all right, you know. It, it could have been worse. Like if you if you watch on airplane, it would seem really good because you know it's like being in the desert, and being you know given some tap water. Like, oh, it's really good. You know, one day I was home bored and it was on you know on demand, and I watched it and it was all right. Uh, but anyway, I think in the, in the movie they're trying to find like the hidden Easter eggs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And in the end, the Easter egg they find is the first Easter egg ever in a game, which is the uh, which is an Atari Adventure, um, which is kind of funny because that's the first Easter egg I ever, you know, I <laughs> I remember that Easter egg. So I guess nice. I guess their attitude is that this is not an Easter egg. Yes, yeah, this is not an Easter egg. It is not supposed to be accessible um, to players at all, despite the fact that there's an NPC. Uh, with a name uh, hanging out in the room. So it is definitely intended for uh, developers to be able to get to, uh, possibly to be able to test uh, you know, interaction with certain objects and things like that. But it is definitely not intended for uh, you or I to be able to get there and requires special tools to do so. So, I don't know. I, I guess it's one of those things, like, it, is it worth creating something like this to to speed up the rendering of the game when you know there's no, like there's no doubt in anybody's mind if you have something like this people will get to it it may not be today it may not be tomorrow but people are going to get to it so yep. i guess as a developer you've got to weigh that right which is which is more important the the protection of the economy or the uh, the quick access of of visual elements in the video card. I I don't know. Obviously, Bethesda went one way and does not uh, feel the same way today <laughs> that yeah. they that they did initially. Um, there's no telling how long the temporary bans will last. For those of you who uh, may have been affected by this, there's no telling how long they will last. Um, but yeah, you're definitely, I wouldn't recommend it because they know everybody who goes in there and are taking care of it pretty quickly. So I wouldn't recommend it personally, but maybe that's just me. No. This week's Rift Tracks on F5 Live is pro- What? No. This week's News from the Tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. I know what I'm doing. This is, not, this is not the first time I've done this. Oh my goodness. It's probably the 300th time. Anyway. Uh, Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals, Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy do it for you. Because they're the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And uh, they're really good at making fun of uh, B-movies and blockbusters. Uh, B-movies like your, Y-O-R, your, The Hunter from the Future, which looks absolutely terrible. I'm pretty sure he's fighting a giant bug that's made out of tree bark. Um, Those are, for me, those are the best. Uh, You download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever this horrible, horrible movie exists, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they do some live events. Um, I don't know if they've got the 2019 live shows scheduled yet. Um, not yet, but uh, 
There will be some. There always are. They're wonderful. They've also got short films, uh, industry films and stuff like that, and they make fun of those as well. And to find out all of the movies and the shorts that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Seriously, this looks like a beetle he's fighting, and I'm pretty sure it is made out of tree bark. Just, <laughs> God, I love B-movies. Anyway. <laughs> Me too. So, obviously, uh, we know uh, 2018 was seemingly the, the year of the breach. Um, it seemed like every week... Uh, Avram and I had to make the decision on whether we were going to talk about yet another security breach or some other topic that was way more interesting to talk about. And uh, more often than not, we went with the second one. But this week, we just can't ignore it because we're starting out 2019 with a bang. One of the largest security leaks in history. Um, One single collection of credentials entitled appropriately collection number one uh so whoever uh put this group of (laughs) credentials together was not terribly clever but uh, apparently good at collecting information 2.7 billion total credentials email and password combinations that consists of 1.16 billion unique so almost all of them are duplicates of at least one uh, which is not uncommon. Credential stuffing is is normal. You use the same email address and password for two services. A lot of people do it. Um, and had 773 million unique email addresses and 21 million passwords. So a lot of people are using the same password is, I think, <laughs> what the takeaway from those numbers is. 21 million passwords, 2.7 billion credentials. Lots of people are using the same password. That's my takeaway. Um, so, Avram, do you think that this is that this is a sign that 2019 is going to be worse than 2018, or are we just getting the big one out of the way now? <laughs> I think that we're we're all going to have to come up with a new paradigm for how we identify ourselves um, because yeah. the old paradigms don't work. Yeah, clearly, they they don't work. There's just too much to be stolen. You know, we're going to have to come up with new ways of of identifying ourselves and, uh, you know, things things like um, things like Social Security numbers, you know, you're going to have to they're going to have to find some way around this. Now, I don't know. There's in first of all, obviously, we're only talking about when we talk about Social Security numbers, we only talk about the United States. Because there's a whole world of billions of people who have other ways they need to identify themselves. Right. Uh, but, um, but you know, yeah, you know, obviously, people losing control of their credit cards is you know is one thing. Most of the time, at least when you find out about, it, you can usually find a way to get your money back. I've but got, I got a solution for that one. It's a it's What's a ser- it's a service that uh that we've started using uh for the company. It's called uh, Privacy, and in fact, uh, they um they title they titled our CES coverage this year. Uh, basically, what you what you do is you create a a unique uh, card number for every retailer, 
and you can put limits on how much you can uh, how much can be taken out in a month and you can pa pause and terminate cards on the fly create new ones right from your phone it is a really really cool service um, uh, I guess we'll throw it out there plugkitslive.com slash privacy um, they're given five dollars for people to try it out for free and the thing is it's a it's a free service so uh, everybody should be using this at this point uh, yeah I, I I love it um, I've already created dozens of them anything I'm doing online I'm doing through this service now because it's brilliant <laughs> it's the thing that I've always wanted right because you know all right so targets point of sale system got hacked and all of the credit card information got out great well, they can't take that information and uh, use it at Home Depot, who also got hacked, because it'll only work at Target. Fantastic. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. once you know that the hack happens, just go terminate the Target card and start again. Create a new one. Move on with your day. They're, yeah. in, they're instant. Mean, it's brilliant. That's good. I mean, I think part of the issue, too, is there's some places that like, look, dude, I, you know, I don't buy shoes that often mm -hmm. that you know, that the shoe site that I go to needs to hack to store my credit card. Right. But they do. They do. They probably do. Right. I mean, sure. they, they shouldn't. Right. Obviously, if you're using something uh, like, like, you know, you're buying on your mobile device and you're going through something like Apple pay, at least your the thing is stored just with Apple, but Apple was hacked last year <laughs> by a teenager in Australia. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Still not ideal. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I think the whole identification thing, um, you know, a new idea has to come about. I think I think the idea of two factor authentication is a great first step, um, you know, while a better idea is is implemented worldwide. You know, it's it's hard for people even tech people to get out of the mindset of this is how we've done it, right? We've done it with usernames and passwords for a long time. How long did it take before usernames became the email addresses? Even after the concept came out, it took forever <laughs> for usernames to become email addresses. You know what I mean? So, right. um, you know, it's two factor authentication anywhere that supports it. You know, two FA is a, is a great stop gap because now they yes. have, now they have to have, uh, the the username, the password, and the connecting piece. Now, there's ways around that, obviously. Um, uh, but physical two-factor authentication uh, is starting to become uh, more and more prevalent. We did an interview with a company uh, with a product called YubiKey. Oh, I know YubiKey. Yeah. Um, actually, actually, that reminds me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play with it. I was at uh, the last Gadget Standing event, and they gave everybody their YubiKeys, and I, I actually want to try it. Um, I have, I have been messing around with it. I really like it so far. That's uh, that's great. I mean, yes, that's the thing. You have to have something. You have now. What I don't know is how do, you know, how do you make sure that the credential that you have the credential that you have doesn't end up in a database somewhere where someone can, can fake it. Right. Right. Like if it's, if it's, for example, my fingerprint, uh, how do I know for sure that 
I mean, I, I understand there's like on-device verification, mm-hmm. but what I don't totally understand, and maybe I'm missing something here, is how do I know that, like, let's say there was, actually, I'm not really aware of an online service that wants your fingerprint anyway, because your fingerprint, you're basically using it locally to unlock your local device. But like, let's say, I mean, I've had things like my a banking app or whatever that allows you to unlock the app with your fingerprint, uh-huh. uh, I guess, but... I, I'm not aware of like a website that requires it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I mean, that's one other problem with bio uh, stuff is that there's always a password workaround. So, what good is it if what good is it if my thumb is really unique, but then there's a backup password yeah. that anyone any fool can use to get in without my thumb. Right. But then the, the other thing that is that the thumbprint is just a convenience thing and not an extra security thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, even if that's true, even if they did make make it a required factor, your thumbprint a required factor. How would, you know, mm-hmm. could someone not, could someone not fake the image of your thumb? I don't mean just like taking a print of your finger, but like if it's in a database somewhere, can they not get it out of the database and right. transmit that? Right. Exactly. It, uh, the whole cryptolo- cryptography of of that stuff is beyond me. That's probably a Danielle conversation since that's what her major is in. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm totally with you. You know, it's how, how do you know, how do we know that that isn't bypassable in one way or another through one of these hacks? I don't know, but you know, the, the more, the more things we can throw, into the mix to make it at least a little more complicated, I guess the, the better off we are. Right. Um, there's a, there's a great service called, Oh, I misspelled it. Have I been pwned? Uh, there's a link in the article at plughitslive.com where you can go put in your username, your uh, email address, and it'll tell you how many of the hacks you've been breached in and, uh, whether or not, uh, it like how serious the connection is to you, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so I would, I would go check your email address. I already have, uh, after all of this. So it's, it's really a great, uh, great capability. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic features, you know you get free shipping, sometimes same day, sometimes two hour, depending on where you are. But there's a whole bunch more that you get with Amazon Prime, including Amazon Prime Music, which has several million tracks available to you for free as part of your subscription. There's Amazon Prime Video, which I know is Avram's favorite part because there's TV shows, there's movies, there's documentaries, original and licensed content, plus a whole bunch of back catalog stuff from HBO and all kinds of stuff available, again, as part of your subscription. Then there's my favorite part, which is Twitch Prime, where you get uh, one free subscription to a Twitch channel per month, which you could use to subscribe to Plug Hits Live if you would like, or any other Twitch uh, channel, and... Uh, you also get free games every month, which is really the win for me. 
Um, similar to Xbox Live and PlayStation Network, you get free games every month uh, that you get to keep, and there have been some really fun games come through. Plus, you get uh, in-game content for things like Overwatch and Warframe and stuff like that, uh, all as part of your subscription. If you're a subscriber, we've got links to all of those great uh, features. If you're not a subscriber, we have a link for a free 30-day trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So speaking of streaming video, Abram, oh my goodness, it seems like that is going to be the crowded market for 2019 and 2020. What do you think? You mean like streaming music has been? Yeah, and and is starting to, uh, to kind of choke itself off because you know yes, today so the same today even when people somebody says pandora you're like oh yeah i forgot about that one that like some of the some of the big names have all dropped off we're kind of down to to spotify amazon and apple at this point as the the big three um and it seems like uh movies now seem to be the place where people are yep. trying to overcrowd now, here's where the movie one, the streaming video one, I don't know if you call it movies or, yeah. or just video. There's, because there's TV shows too, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, so here's where the, the this one gets a little more complicated. They actually have original content that people want. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, the music one... Unless you were title and you had your 12 original, your, your yeah, 12 exclusive albums. It just didn't work out, right? Yeah. Um, but, but with you know, but you have, for example, so Disney is coming along, and they're going to have their streaming service, uh-huh. right? And Disney streaming service has is going to have Star Wars shows and so, Marvel and Marvel shows, right? So uh, I don't want to watch that. Then, um, you know, while Netflix is losing all of those, there's still some cool shows on Netflix, like. Every time I want to cancel Netflix, I turn around. <laughs> there's like one show that I want to watch that month. So, like you know, for example, if you're an adult, Sex Education, that is the one for January. Oh, I I have not watched that, but oh uh, no, I of recently, course not, because you can't with the kid in the house. <laughs> yeah, well, I recently binged watch. No, one thing I like about Netflix is, and and Prime has this for some things, is that you can download stuff so I can watch on the train. Mm-hmm. So. So I watched like all 20 episodes of the Santa Clarita diet in like uh-huh. a week. That's, I really, I really like that. That's a good one. So anyway, don't, don't watch like this one on the train either. Yeah, probably not. Um, Dave tried but, to watch it anyway, on the airplane and got really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, um, so there's uh you know, yeah, it's, it's complicated, right? See, you know, you want to watch the new star Trek, the new star Trek, CBS, CBS All Access, yep. and they're going to have multiple shows, so it might be the case that they'll have you going all year long, right? Yep. Uh, they, you want to watch? Uh, like, I really want to watch the, some of the new DC shows that are going to come on. And there's that yeah. DC Universe. What's the name of the DC Universe? Right. I would love to get DC Universe. Yep. Just the just the other day. I signed up for and I gotta cancel it, but I keep finding stuff I want to watch on it for BritBox. So like, uh, which is like all British TV. What is it, BritBox? BritBox. 
Okay. I, I tried a free trial of it through, um, you can do it as a prime channel or you can do it on its own. Okay. It's like $7 a month. And I signed up for the seven day free trial because I really wanted to watch like some Doctor Who's. And now like, but the thing that's wrong with BritBox is you can't, they don't, at least for most of their shows, allow you to download them for offline. Uh-huh. So I can't watch on the train. Got it. So like, that's, that's the, uh, if you're listening BritBox, you really got to fix this. Like, people wonder like, oh, who's going to be offline? Well, if you're commuting, uh-huh. you can't count on being able, having a good enough signal to stream video. Yeah, for the whole for the ride. So like, and and even download stuff, and even Netflix, who said for how long? No, we're not interested in supporting this. They're like the biggest supporter of it today. Yeah, well, I mean, you need it. You need it for the plane. You need it for you need it for the train. You need you know, if you I don't know if you're with kids in the car or something, you can't. Sorry, four G connectivity is not that great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some people even have data caps. So yeah, if you're outside your home, you're gonna need you're gonna need the download option. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, yes, I can totally see more companies getting into this. And the problem for consumers is if they have something you really want to watch, you might have to make a difficult decision. It. It almost the, the amount of quality stuff on, on some of these uh, services does sort of make it seem like cord cutting may be the next. I mean, everybody's cord cutting, but it may be at the point at which like, oh, man, I need to be a cord cutter at this point because all the channels I want actually aren't channels. Uh huh. Yeah, because you've got CBS All Access, which it seems like see all of CBS's good content is all access exclusive. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then now you've got NBC. The reason why we're here, NBC has announced that uh, an NBC Universal streaming service is coming. Now, it's important to note they have a streaming service now. Um, this will likely replace it um, as a bigger and more interesting version of what they offer in their app and on NBC.com right now, uh, where it'll be. Fr- but here's the thing. NBC's is going to be free if you have a, a cable or satellite subscription. Yeah, at, at least, right? CBS is getting you coming and going. Yeah, exactly. If you want CBS Live, then you've got to get... So I think if I were... Oh, yeah, and, NBC, and NBC's going to have your local live network available through the service, which I don't think CBS offers yet. They've talked about yeah. it, but I don't think they offer it yet. But it's going to be double the price of CBS All Access. If I were a cable provider, I mean, what we haven't seen yet is how net neutrality, the the lack of net neutrality might end up playing into this. Uh-huh. So far, I haven't heard anything much about companies really like trying to to bilk uh-huh. consumers or bilk um, or bilk providers uh, for streaming. But if I were a cable provider. I would try to make some kind of a deal with to package some of these things to my customers because mm-hmm. right now some of the best programming you can't get on cable. So, yep. yep. I mean, I don't know if Netflix is interested in doing this or, you know, or Disney or any of these others, but it seems like they're going out to do what they used to do through their cable channels. Yes. Right? They're they're only 
in fact, you could say they're only doing with streaming what they have done or might have done with cable channels, right? Indeed. So with premium cable channels. So, you know, if I were, you know, if I were um, Fios or Comcast or somebody, I would try talking to some of these companies and say, is there any way that we could like bundle you with our service? Uh-huh. Um, I, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that Comcast has some sort of a, some sort of a deal with Netflix because com- some Comcast cable boxes even have uh, Netflix built into the, into the receiver. Right, and that's what you want as a consumer, right? Like, right. You, you know, you don't want to have to go to a separate box or a right. separate menu or whatever to get it. Yeah. So. Um, I, uh, I use the Xbox One interface for all of that. So yeah, I, I totally uh, agree uh, with with that sentiment. I like having a single interface that that deals with everything. Um, yeah. It it'll be interesting to see uh, Netflix. What NBC Universal's uh, service is supposed to launch in the first quarter of 2020. So we've got a full year before we'll see anything, which is strange because it sure seems like they've already got the infrastructure in place since they already offer almost all of this today. It's weird. Whatever. Don't care. Uh, it'll be a year before we see this new service uh, come to light, and uh, by then we may already. We may already see the uh, the uh, what is it the, the the pocketbook effect the <laughs> the ten dollar effect because you know we've got Netflix is going up on its what two highest price plans are going up I think next month and uh, we just listed a whole bunch of services and then we know there's there's more than that because we didn't even talk about Hulu. Or any of the the live streaming services like Hulu Live or or Sling TV or any of those things. There are so many uh, streaming services today that you know the the pocketbook effect is going to have to start coming into effect at some point. If only we lived in a world where that was the main thing that we worked for. Like, oh, you know, don't need to, don't need money for food, for <laughs> housing, for you know, for gas. For healthcare, working working nine to five, working nine to five for those streaming services. <laughs> for some people, it seems like that's their goal, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, we've got a year before uh, we see anything out of this, so I guess uh, for now we'll just wait and see. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who have joined us live uh, in the chat room on our many platforms. Um, For those of you who didn't, you can join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us to uh, chat with us in the studio. And uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. Plugkitslive.com slash subscribe has all of... Uh, all of our shows there and you can subscribe on all of the platforms that we support from there um, I am going to be researching BritBox because it has all 12 seasons of Red Dwarf and now I feel like I need to go back and rewatch all 12 seasons of Red Dwarf and this is the easy way to do it thanks a lot Abram <laughs> sorry <laughs> but 
The good news is I can sign up for my seven day free trial with my privacy card and then just pause it after I sign up for my trial so I don't have to forget. Uh, <laughs> huzzah! Anyway, um, that is going to be after I publish the show. That's going to be my night. Um, so uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.